for and make disciples of all nations. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Today, um, along with the rest of our province, so every Anglican parish in the Anglican Church in North America is right now um, remembering the same thing, which is World Mission Sunday. <laughs> I'm just not laughing about World Mission Sunday, but just uh, little girls walking by, so cute. Um, okay, back to World Mission Sunday. Um, I want to address the idea of mission um, just from a couple different angles this morning. Um, firstly, if you uh, will remember back to this time last year, to World Mission Sunday a year ago, um, you'll remember that I invited and challenged you to be praying for two people for the year. Do you remember that? Does that sound, does that sound vaguely familiar? Um, to one person here in town and one person who is not here in town, both of whom um, do not know the Lord Jesus. And I, I, ch- I encourage you uh, to pray for them. Um, judging by sort of the minimal number of head nods, um, uh, I'm guessing maybe that year-long project maybe got lost somewhere uh, in, the, in the thick of the year. Uh, I confess it did for me as well. I, I think I was faithful for like eight, nine months and then kind of forgot about it myself um, until World Mission Sunday came around. Um, but I promised last year that I would check in with you and, and maybe some of you did get to see some of the Lord's work. Just for my own part, for the two people I was praying for, um, one of them showed no signs of any of coming to the Lord yet, uh, as we talked about in, about in Sunday school this morning, yet is a good Christian word when it comes to mission. Um, the other one did actually show a little bit of more warm interest in the things of faith and started to kind of bring it up in conversations. So I got to see just a tiny little bit of um, uh, fruit in the direction of, that I'd been praying in. Uh, and I, I hope and I, I pray that maybe you who did, if you prayed even a little bit, no prayer is ever wasted or lost to God. Um, I pray that maybe you did get to see a little bit of uh, growth or fruit from your prayers. Um, If you didn't, or if you didn't pray at all for two people, okay, Um, I re-challenge you again this year, and we'll ask again next year, uh, because I really believe the kingdom of God does spread one soul at a time. And if if the Lord, even over years, brought one person to faith through our prayers, through the testimony of our life, um, then the church would double, and more angels would be rejoicing in heaven at sinners repenting. Um, so I challenge you to pick two people and to pray for them. Just keep, like God says, like Jesus said in his parable of the, of the persistent widow, to paraphrase, keep nagging, keep pestering God. That's the Holy Spirit in you praying for God's will to keep saying, Lord, bring these two people to a knowledge of you. We say that our Father every day, there are many prayers we say all the time, add to those, Lord, these two people, please bring them to a knowledge of you. Uh, and God will use those prayers and your persistence. Um, yeah, I'm, I encourage you to, to keep, keep doing that. Um, and the reason I think prayer is the most important part and why I want to begin with that on Mission Sunday, you think, well, what's that connection to mission? Um, is that real mission is only accomplished when hearts are changed. Um, my wife was a, a part of a Campus Crusade, which is a fantastic organization who has done a lot for the gospel. I'm very grateful for Campus Crusade. Um, but when she was on mission in... Uh, Far East Asia, um, she actually had to keep kind of number tallies of how many people had said they wanted to be Christian, and this kind of grated on her, and I think rightly so, because it's um, we, there's a danger of thinking about mission in terms of outward accomplishment of numbers, 
which, may, which doesn't reveal anything about what happened inwardly in people's hearts for real. And really, only God can change inside people's hearts. We can't do that. And no matter how many conversations or how many compelling things you put forward, you can't reach into someone's chest and change what they believe, right? Only God can do that. So that's why prayer it really is the most important part of mission. Um, you know, our, um, our brothers and sisters in, in, in the Roman Catholic Church, um, uh, I say brothers and sisters because they are Christians, even as we differ on doctrine, and I think they are flatly wrong about some of the things they teach uh, beyond the scriptures, against the scriptures even. But they are our brothers and sisters, and one thing they do is, as their custom is they appoint different holy men and women sort of as uh, emblems of, for, for different things. And this was very corrupt, right? In the Middle Ages, you had like the patron saint of bakers, and it kind of become a big thing. But, but some, one thing they do, which I think is kind of neat, is the patron saint of missions was um, Elizabeth of the Trinity. No, no, oh, that's a different one. Teresa of Lisieux, um, who died uh, in her mid-20s, and she was a cloistered nun, but she prayed for missions all the time. Um, and she was a very holy woman, and so she was, and, but she was designated the patron saint of mission, the church sort of recognizing that real mission begins and is accomplished with prayer. I think that's really powerful. There wasn't some you know, hero missionary in some part of the world. It was someone who prayed for mission all the time. And I think that says something about, about God's work. Okay, so that's that four angles this morning. That's the first one, prayer. The um, second angle of mission that I'd like to speak a bit about um, is simply that of mindset. That God calls us, right, in the scriptures to have the mind of Christ. Uh, and Christ is like the arch missionary, um, especially as he reveals his own uh, life in the Gospel of John. Right? He says, I came from the Father, and I'm going back to the Father. Like Abraham, who sojourned long ago, as we heard about in Genesis, the Son of God came and took on our nature so that he could have a missionary enterprise among us through his teaching ministry, and then ultimately to die uh, and be raised again in our nature as a sort of missionary outreach to rescue humankind. Right? He's the great missionary. So in emulating him, as we see the apostles do in the New Testament, um, copying that same missional impulse and obeying the Lord's last commandment that he gave, go into all nations, um, we see the apostles copying that same spirit of, of, uh, of mission, of, of going out. Um, some of them go great distances, right? St. Paul, uh, we know, traveled thousands of miles by land and sea uh, to spread the good news. Some only traveled a few miles. You know, we, we know James stuck in Jerusalem like his whole life, which was only a few miles from his hometown. Um, and there he made disciples of all the nations there in Jerusalem. Um, and I think actually when we sort of look at mission for us, just speaking practically and really as you know, the good shepherd here in Opelika, I think um, we do well to sort of remember the missionaries like St. James as well as St. Paul, like that mission is not always just about going overseas, it's also about making disciples uh, here on the home front, as it were. Um, the phrase has been coined uh, that we need a re-evangelization of America, and that's true. Um, I actually think that there can be sort of this um, exotic appeal to overseas missions for the wrong reasons. Now, I want to be clear, God is still calling forth foreign missionaries, thanks be to him. Um, he may be calling you to foreign missions. I don't know. Let's talk about that and pray about that together. Um, but we make it sort of exotic because it kind of plays in, right, to some survivalist, kind of Gilligan's Islands, like I'm going to go. And, um, and that's not a pure motive uh, for spreading the gospel. Um, 
And one way to sort of get to the real heart of why we want to do what we do um, is, and this is actually a question that missions boards ask of a lot of would-be missionaries, well, how many people in your own county have you shared the gospel with? And if the answer is, well, not very many, well, what makes you think you'd be interested in really sharing the gospel in wherever around the world? Um, we, exi- we, pr- we begin to exhibit the missionary spirit through how we live our own lives uh, here in Auburn, Opelika, and wherever, whatever towns you live in around here. Um, there are certainly plenty of opportunities to make disciples. As I mentioned last year, Census Bureau stuff shows us that about half of Lee County doesn't go to church at all, um, which doesn't, isn't, isn't in lockstep with saying they're not Christians, but it means they're not living manifestly actively as Christians because participation in the church is a necessary and vital part of living the Christian life. So there are disciples um, to be made here. And I want to say that when we think, when we hear the Great Commission, I think if you've been around the church a while, um, we might only think of sort of that amazing conversation, which actually I think happens fairly rarely, at least in my own experience, of sharing the gospel with someone for the first time and they receive it with open arms and they want to become a Christian and it's just this joyful sort of explosive interaction. I'm sure it can look like that. Um, in my life, it often looks like sharing the gospel and it's rejected outright. I was like, oh, okay, well, hopefully the seed is planted and we'll see what God does with it. Um, it also can even just, in the sort of day-to-day, may just mean testifying to what God wants us to do, right? The, the verse after the, um, he says, go and make disciples, is have them observe, teach them to observe all that I've commanded. That when we just share God's will for things with non-Christians to sort of baffle them, or Christians to encourage them, um, that is part of the disciple-making process and part of our mission. Um, It's not just the Billy Graham Crusades, it's our own living strategically amidst the people God's put us with. Um, For the Christians that God's put us along with, you know, we should be thinking sort of, how can I encourage them? And sort of, if it opens up, even encourage them in their discipleship, which means following, of, of the Lord. For the non-Christians that you know to be thinking, ah, Lord, when might be an opportune time? Please open up a conversation where I might be able to share maybe a little, maybe a lot about you. But to be thinking strategically, like we, we don't hesitate to think strategically in so many areas of our lives, like our financial planning or our, if, we, if you work, have a stake in a business, you know, um, to think at least that strategically as Christians about the people that we know. Um, to think in sort of missional categories um, is actually a command to think like that. When it says go and make disciples of all nations, to be thinking about how are we doing that in the midst of the station God has put us in. Um, So that's the second facet. The first is prayer. The second is just sort of cultivating a mindset of a missionary even here at home. Um, And then the third facet is what's on the end of that phrase that Jesus says when he says, make disciples of all nations. The all nations part is sort of um, something very radical about the church in the first century uh, and in our own day. In the first century, the idea that God's people would be more than just blood Jews was really astounding. You, so we see in the letters of Paul, the early church struggled with it a lot, right? Like, how do, do people who are blood Jews and blood Gentiles work together in one church and live together peaceably? And the church worked that out in the first century. God gave them the grace 
through the spiritual, the, the canonical writings of St. Paul especially, um, to guide them. And what was true in the first century remains true, that God is interested in tying all peoples together, different, all nations, all ethnicities, and all races. Um, everyone who's baptized into the body of Christ becomes brother and sister Christian regardless of what race or ethnicity they, they, ha- they inhabit. And I think what this means then, this all nations piece, means that when we think about mission, um, we should be thinking kind of multi-ethnically. God's will, as we see in that reading we heard from Revelation, is that his people would come from every tribe and tongue and nation and be unified in their praise of God. All people mixed up together, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And one thing I've observed just in sort of looking at churches around the country and just being a minister around the church um, is when churches, parishes, start thinking, cultivating more of a mindset of mission, it's no accident that those churches often become multi-ethnic, that Hispanic people and black people and white people and Korean people and Guatemalan people will naturally have so much in common in Christ Jesus that they will actually come together uh, and worship God together. And that that worship is actually more pleasing to God, as we see in Revelation 7, um, because of its diversity. And this is, I want to share with you, I I try not to share pet peeves from the pulpit, but I will this morning. Um, One one of my pet peeves is that the the churches, who we could sort of quickly designate as the liberal churches, um, who've really let go of the gospel once for all delivered to the saints, they make loud noise about their interest in diversity. Um, and, this tries, and I think then, therefore, those of us who are in the church who really love the traditional gospel and the faith once for all delivered to the saints sometimes have a bit of suspicion about that D word, like diversity. Um, and, and it bugs me that the, the sort of it's been sort of associated with this liberal movement because diversity wasn't the liberal church's idea. It was God's idea. Like this, listen to that picture in Revelation chapter 7. People from every language, people and nation worshiping God together. That's God who came up with that vision, not the liberals. Um, And I bring this up because if we're talking about world mission, and we're talking about mission here at home, um, Opelika is uh, about 40% black, 55% white, and 5% Guatemalan and Korean. um, So when we're reaching out to our city, that will mean that maybe in 30 years, or 20 years, or 10 years, or who knows how long it will take, but maybe God will bring us all together. Uh, in his church and that would thrill the Lord I think it would please the Lord and it would thrill me to see that sort of thing uh, coming about as an accidental effect of us just being missionally minded in our communities so that's the third the third facet the first is prayer the second is cultivating a mindset the third is the sort of multi-ethnic effects that that brings about and the final one I want to bring up um, is actually very particular and it's that um, sometimes in mission we support things that we never even get to see. And we see this in the New Testament, right? The Jerusalem church went through a lot of uh, three years of famine back to back, and they were in a really hard way. And the church in Corinth, 800 miles away by sea, uh, was fairly well-to-do. Big trading city, had a lot of money. So Paul goes to Corinth and he says, look, you guys can spare some change. The people in Jerusalem are really hurting. I need, please give money so I can take it and give it to the church in Jerusalem. 
So the church sort of that you'll never see with your own eyes, but who are your brothers and sisters, and you'll see them in heaven, uh, needs your help. And in a similar way, a very similar way actually, um, Bishop Paul, as I mentioned last week, uh, of the Sebe Diocese in Uganda, um, visited here because we have a connection with that diocese. They helped us out a few years ago through Christ Church. And, um, it's a long story, a great story. But um, Bishop Paul was here. And I said, Bishop Paul, like, what are the needs that you feel like in your diocese? And I was really looking for like prayer requests for us to add to our prayer list. And um, thinking maybe I was sort of over-spiritualizing. And he says, well, all of my clergy are volunteer. I can't pay any of them, which means most of them just have free time to give to ministry, which is not a lot of time. And there are a lot of non-Christians living in his sort of regional bounce. And he says, and they're so poor that they can't, you know, these little churches can't support these clergy. I need some money to kind of break that cycle of not being able to be self-supportive. And so he said, um, my real need is to be able to pay my priests. Uh, and I said, well, I'll ask my people if they'd be willing to help for that. And so I mentioned last week that I would, and today we are going to collect a special offering um, for this rural diocese in eastern Uganda. Um, most of you might not get to see it with your own eyes, but we might. The Christchurch leads a mission trip over there just to connect every two years. Um, and if you put any, any cash in the offering plate, we'll give to Bishop Paul today. And if you want to write a check and put Uganda in the memo, we can gather some money. Us who God has blessed with more resources than they have in rural Uganda um, can pass on some money to a, a faithful bishop to help support his, his ministry there. Um, so that's, that's four things, very concrete. Um, if you uh, are able to give uh, with some generosity to this morning's offering, um, it will bless the church in a way that we'll never see, most of us. Um, but if you'd like to go to Uganda, we could, we could do that too. Um, but uh, as a way of recognizing that though we're thousands of miles away, separated by huge history and cultural gaps, we worship the same Jesus, and they need help. Um, so yeah, that's the fourth facet of mission that I want to touch on this morning. So I've repeated myself too many times already, but for one last time. So those are the four things in which I think we can take to heart the word Jesus says to us this morning. Um, to make disciples of all nations. To pray missionally. To think, to cultivate a mindset missionally. Um, to think multi-ethnically when we think missionally. Uh, and lastly, with our money. To be able to share our money with those uh, who need it as part of our mission for discipleship making. Um, so when you're having those kind of facets in view, uh, I encourage you to allow to ring in your ears all week and hopefully all year um, those words of Jesus. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Amen. <laughs>